everybody, and welcome back. Episode 91 of the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. My name is Dustin. And I'm Lakeisha. And welcome back to the Beer Reviewing Movie Reviewing Portland Podcast, where this week uh, we saw what might be the final installment of Fox's X-Men franchise. One can only hope. Yeah. <laughs> They're just not doing it justice. They're, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. They're, they start out strong, and then and then they falter. Yeah. And it's not, I would say it's not due to the casting. No, I would say generally so. not. Uh, so anyway, we saw Dark Phoenix, mm-hmm. their second crack at telling the... Uh, the Dark the, Phoenix the saga. Jean Grey story. Uh, and... And, uh, you know, it's getting, it got a bit of a kicking yeah, from the critics. I think it's in the 20s, 20 percentile of Rotten Tomatoes. That's too bad. Uh, I got to say, kind of like what we were saying about Godzilla, which also didn't get great reviews. It's not the train wreck that I was maybe thinking it was going to be. Uh, yeah. I mean, first of all, Godzilla is way better. Yeah. Um, But no. I, like... X-Men Dark Phoenix does not deserve the low rating that it's getting. Right. For sure. Um, it is, it's not a great movie, but I think the problem is, is that it's just lackluster. Yeah. You know, um, I'll talk a lo- about this a little bit more, but it doesn't commit. Like, it's like the writers and the directors just weren't, weren't able to fully commit to the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And so it just leaves you unsatisfied. It's not a terrible movie. Like, we've gone to see movies that are just bad. This one's just unsatisfying. Mm. Well, you're right about the not committing thing, considering, reportedly, considering how much of this they reshot. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, okay. So we'll get into all of that a little bit later. Um, and if we're going to talk about this movie, we definitely will be drinking. Drinking, um, and so uh, we each review a different beer every week. What do you have? You go first this time. Sure. Um, so I am drinking a beer uh, coming out from Silver Moon Brewing out of Bend, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe we've talked about Silver Moon um, before. I'm sure we have. Yeah. Uh, they're a pretty common Northwest beer. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would say. Um, I, we've been to that particular brewing. Yeah. Uh, com- brewing house. Uh, what? Tap room? Tap room. That's what I'm looking for. Um, before. And so, uh, it, I mean, it's a good place. They've yeah. got some really good, strong um, IPAs that they have. Um, this year... We are looking at their, uh, their they have a annual campaign. Mm-hmm. It's called F asterisk cancer IPA. Yeah. I think it's supposed to say fuck cancer. Right. Yeah. Um, so this is one of their annual um, campaigns where they are trying to raise money for to for cancer research. Mm-hmm. Um it's an IPA this year, which is which is nice. Um, this is what they have to say about it. It says, these are the names of fighters. With more of our loved ones diagnosed each day, it's clear this is a battle we must all fight. By purchasing this beer, you're saying, 
Fuck Cancer. Proceeds from each bottle go directly to efforts towards cancer prevention, education, and research. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it, so it's an all-black label. And on the label, when you look closely at it, it's just got a running list of names. And oh, so, okay. very small print, yeah. Yeah. So these are all people who have been um, diagnosed or have died of cancer. Mm-hmm. So um, last year they raised about $50,000, just over $50,000, that uh, got donated to the American Cancer Society, the Knight Cancer Institute, um, and Ronald McDonald House of Oregon in Southwest, Southwest Washington. Um so, and then what happens is basically where you buy um, helps determine where those proceeds go. Okay. So, um, it's very cool. Uh, I, the IPA is fine. Okay. It's okay. It's yeah. not great. It's got 65 IBUs, so I was expecting it to be a little hoppy. However, it's for a really good cause. So, when I saw it, I had to get it. Yeah. Okay. Well, great cause. Cool. Um and especially the way they print the, the names, I didn't notice that until you pointed it out. They're very small. Um, um, yeah, they're very small. It's very light gray. It's easy to think that you might, like, you, just to be like, oh, it's just kind of some random decoration. Yeah. But, but it's not. So. All right. So I am also having a beer from Bend, Oregon. Okay. From Worthy Brewing. Ooh, in Bend, yes. Oregon, I am having the Eruption Imperial Red mm-hmm. um, Ale and Worthy Brewing. Fairly new. Uh, it was founded in 2012 by a guy named Roger Worthington. Uh, they first opened their doors, though, in February 2013. And I am pretty sure that we actually uh, went there for my birthday that year. Hmm. That first opens. I know we went. We were there for my birthday one year, and I think it might have been that summer after it opened. It totally seems like something we could have yeah. done. What I find interesting about Worthy is you see a lot of these breweries will start in some very small, you know, establishment where they're mm-hmm. just kind of hole, not necessarily hole in the wall, but just small until they build like a following and then they can move into something bigger. I don't know who Roger Worthington is, but he had some cash. <laughs> Worthy Brewing just dropped. They built a Big, damn nice, huge restaurant and brewery facility on the east side of Bend. I remember when I lived over. I lived over there when it went in. The rumor was it was a million dollars to put that down. Wow. I don't know if that's true, but that was what we all heard. And uh, looking at the place when it opened, I wouldn't doubt it. So it's interesting that it just went, you know, started from there. Uh, and they make pretty good stuff. Um, I don't have it too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's interesting about this? Um, their website doesn't say much about this beer itself. The bottle leads you to believe it's something they haven't made in a while. It says it's been eruption, so you know it's got a volcanic volcano mm-hmm. theme. So that it's been after being dormant for two years, Ooh. it's like erupting again. Oh, so you really? might want to get it before it goes dormant again. Something to that effect. It's eight point zero percent alcohol by volume. It wow. says it has a hundred IBUs, although I don't taste it. Really, but because it's a red ale, maybe that's why. Yeah, they the, always are covered with malt. malt. It's very malty. Um, the thing about red ales is I always, when I see one, I always think, oh, you know, I like a good red ale. And then I try it. And then uh, I was like, oh, well, that's not as good as I was hoping. Yeah. Uh, but this is probably one of the better ones I've had in quite a while. I like oh, this quite a bit. Okay. Um, well, I'm always looking for a nice, hoppy red IPA. Mm. 
And I forget that red ales and red IPAs are not the same thing. They are not. Um, Worthy Brewing itself, their mantra is earth first, beer second. Their core values are education, accountability, respect, transparency, and hope. The first letter of each of those spells earth, hence earth first. Mm. But beer second. Okay. So so that's what I'm having. That's what we're having. And now we're going to get into uh, Dark Phoenix. Yeah. First, I have to say, like, I, I mean... I wanted to like this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the X Men. Yeah. Um, I like the dark. I like the most of the Dark Phoenix saga. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Storm is one of my favorite characters. So I I always really go into X Men movies being really excited. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah. Um. It's an interesting movie. It's not great. Yeah. I don't think it's terrible. Um, it's just unsatisfying. That's really the only word I could yeah. come up with is that I walked out dissatisfied. Um, and because there's, there's nothing truly unique or groundbreaking or surprising in this movie. And when you look at a lot of the, the really great superhero franchises, they've been able to, I don't know if, if it's capture the essence of what's unique in um in their superheroes or in the Mm -hmm. comics um but they are able to somehow be innovative with their take on the characters and i feel like fox is like you know what innovation sucks we're gonna go with tradition playing it safe yeah that's what came across most of the time in this movie right and it just it can't fly in a superhero movie yeah, not in this age, Mm-mm. not in this uh, the the what after what Marvel's done. Yeah, I mean, no one. Yeah, that's that is really the ultimate sin, I think, if you're making a movie like this. Either you you got to be really good, or you know, get out of the or, game, or 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 be really bad. I almost wish that this movie was a real grease fire. Mm-hmm. That would be more interesting than just being kind of middle of the road. Right. Yeah. So. Um, that being said, there were definitely things in this movie that I enjoyed. Same. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I liked um, was uh, Jessica Chastain. Oh, is it, are we doing our favorite things now? I think we're supposed to, right? Okay. Well, spoiler alert. If you oh, yeah, that's right. Dark Phoenix, we got to say that. <laughs> uh, we uh, each picked three of our favorite things about this movie and haven't shared them with each other until now. We'll, go, we'll share them going back and forth. And if you haven't seen the movie and you're worried about spoilers... We don't we don't particularly care. <laughs> no, no, we don't. So. Since especially since I've already fully dived in. Yes. <laughs> so, um, okay. So I like Jessica Chastain. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know how much I like her character. Yeah. In this, um, her character's name is Vuk. V U K, right? V U K. Yeah. I don't ever see them actually calling her that. I don't know. Um, but either way, she, she commits, right? I mean, her character is, uh, I don't fully understand it, but she's definitely, um, her goal is to manipulate Mm -hmm. whatever entity is containing the, um, that, that the dark, the Phoenix force, I guess. Um, or, and it's not actually clear if it's the Phoenix force. So we'll get into that a little bit, but whatever it is that Jean Grey 
absorbed while they were out in space. Right. Um, she wants it. Mm-hmm. And she wants to control it. And she does a great job of just being quietly manipulative. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and I mean, I just like Jessica Chastain. I oh, mean, me too. I think, I can't think of a lot of movies right off the bat where I don't really like watching mm-hmm. her in them. So, no. so she is one of the things that I like. Uh, just being um, kind of a quiet badass mm-hmm. to the, just the insidiousness of her manipulations are pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was real excited when she was going to be in this because I Jessica Chastain is one of my favorite actors mm-hmm. um, ever since Zero Dark Thirty, mm-hmm. um, and then last year and we saw Molly's Game. Oh yeah, incredible, so good in that. Um, and so yeah, I feel bad. I th- I wonder if the character she was supposed to play initially ended up not being what they did. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's already kind of come out that the, she plays an alien of a race called the Dabari, right. which were originally going to be scrolls. Right. And they ch- made that change. Uh, but yeah, I mean, she does uh, what she can with what they with, with what she's given. Correct. I feel. And she's, yeah. I feel like she's the one who fully commits to her role, mm-hmm. almost. Um, I, they just needed to let her role go. Yeah go further yeah so i almost wonder what would have happened if she had in fact played um the character lalandra oh the Shi'ar is, empire yeah like Man, what could have been right i mean i feel like that could have been a really cool right. thing i also feel like if you're gonna create an alien race and you're like oh can't use the scrolls they're being used in another movie mm-hmm. um why not go with another known alien race yeah why not go with this year? Yes, I was. I mean, yeah, I'll probably talk about that later. So yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's that's number one. I liked Jessica Chastain. Okay, for my number one, and I think this might be more of a, um, I won't say a lifetime achievement award, but maybe like an accumulative um, shout out over the course of movies. But uh, Michael Fassbender as Magneto. Yeah. Um, now that the X-Men movie, like the timeline is so stupid, you can't, it'll break your brain. So you can't really think about it. Although it does, cause this movie is supposed to take place in the nineties, right? The, the first X-Men movie came out in the year 2000 where Ian McKellen plays Magneto. Right. So how Michael Fassbender Magneto ends up looking like Ian McKellen Magneto, uh, Whatever. Who's to say? He ages greatly in five years. There must have been some some real shit happens uh, in Genosha, I guess. Um, but anyway, he's a he's another a character I feel that really commits actor who really yes. commits to what what, he, what he's given. He's a very passionate portrayal of Eric Lencher. Does a good job of showing the complexity of the character. Like in the comics, Magneto initially was just your magna. Um, uh, megalomaniac. I can't say it. Megalomaniac. Yes, uh, villain. Uh, but since that, uh, you know, over the years, he's stepped back and forth across the line of villain and, and hero. Mm-hmm. Right. He's not just a villain out for his own uh, riches or power necessarily. Although he's not adverse to it, 
because he realizes that having power is what's going to protect his people. Right. He now sees mutants as his people. And after seeing, you know, what happened to his people in the Second World War, then he has this ability now to really, I mean, he's never going to trust um, figures of government, author- traditional authority figures. Again. Again. Right. And I think he does a really good job of showing that he still, I mean, he's not, he's not necessarily just a, a straight out murderer, but he's not above it. <laughs> um, and just, you know, realizing, you know, I'm a dangerous man, but I'm also not just a crazy psychopath either. I don't know. Just his performance over the movies is very good. And he's pretty good in this. In a movie that I feel has a lot of characters doing a lot of stuff out of character, the stuff that he does, I think, is the most in line right. with who I feel Magneto is. Yeah. So. And I think he's really grown into his role as yeah. Magneto. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was really disappointed in, in his character in X-Men First Class, specifically how it ends. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how he ends there with his whole like his whole thing is he's gonna stop Shaw, you know, who is a Nazi was a Nazi, right? And all of the stuff. And Shaw gives his like world single world order speech. And for somebody who came out of a Nazi concentration camp, for um, Magneto to turn around and be like, "Turns out I agree with everything you're telling me. I just don't like that you killed my mom, so that's why I have to mm-hmm. kill you." was really disappointing because I felt that that is, that was, that did a disservice to his character. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a hard time believing somebody comes out of a Nazi concentration camp and then goes, you know what? I actually believe you with what you're saying. You know? Yeah. I totally buy into what you're doing. Uh, So that was disappointing. So I was all ready to just not like Michael Fassbender. Right. (laughs) And, or as Magneto. I like his character. I like Michael Fassbender. Right. Um, but I do like what he's done with the character. They've done a better job, and maybe he's done a better job, of having a more nuanced character yeah. who, who is not just fully a straight-up villain. Mm. So. Yeah. Um, all right. So kind of going on with character uh, motivations and stuff and characters who've changed over time. Uh, one of the things I liked in this movie, or, and I don't even know if I can say that I liked it, okay. but that I thought was, was finally, they finally got it right, is that uh, Xavier's kind of a dick. Yeah. Like, if you go back and you really read the comics and you pay attention to all of the crap he pulls, yeah. Xavier is not a hero. He is not the good guy, the black and white, cut and dried good guy. Right. He's very manipulative. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, he's constantly um, messing with people's minds to make them remember or forget or do something that they don't want to do or, you know, stop them from doing something. And it's entirely based on, like, his moral code. Mm-hmm. And so in this movie, he gets called out on that quite a bit. You know, it starts out, he's um, with him kind of using, not kind of, he's using the X-Men as his, as kind of a, almost PR and promotional uh, stuff. Like, 
he wants the X-Men to be in front of the TV doing heroic things, saving people. So he's making them do dangerous and riskier things Mm -hmm. to win the adoration of the public, I guess. You know, Um, and while on one hand, you could see that very much as a survival tactic, you know, because, you know, I think they even talk about Xavier, like they're one bad mutant experience away from like everybody turning on them. Right. As they they quickly do. Right. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, like Magneto calls him out where he says, like, it's always about you. Like, you always have a speech. You've always decided what's right and wrong for people. But they have, like, those actions have consequences. And you're not always right. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest kind of cycle in this movie is that Xavier has to, has to do the one thing he doesn't do in any of the other movies, which is say he's sorry. Yeah. You know? Um, And it's his hubris that continues to complicate matters rather than resolve them. So I just thought that was a very, um, that was a, that's a good part, a good thing that they finally brought forth in the fact in this, in the X-Men series that Xavier himself is also a more nuanced character. He is not just out there doing things for the greater good. Right. Um, he, he might think he is. But really, it's all based on what he thinks he should do. And he doesn't allow... he By doing that, he takes away other people's choices. So in this case, um, he he takes away Jean Grey's choices at a young age, mm-hmm. which might be understandable. But he never gives it back to her. He never lets her have her own agency, um, which causes problems, and yeah. we, as we see. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, I like that they show like he. I mean, there's there there's an argument to be made for him having the X Men out in front, mm-hmm. you know, being putting that face on the mutants, you know, right. being this heroic team, these good guys that people can you know can, can count on, count on, and cheer for, and feel you know safe about, and good about. But it's also clear that he is really enjoying the attention, and it's really feeding his ego, mm-hmm. and he is liking it. For right. the wrong reasons. Right. So. He likes being able to just yeah. call the president. That there's on a his line phone. to the president at the mansion is is funny to me. Right. So anyway, I yeah. just I liked that portrayal in this yeah. movie. Um, it it was it's a facet of the X Men series specifically that I felt needed to be explored. Yeah. All right. For my second thing, I'm gonna just say uh, the very opening of the movie. Where they show young Jean Grey in a car accident with her parents. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what leads you to believe this is what happened to Jean's parents as they were killed in this car wreck. And the wreck is filmed in a way that is surprisingly violent and visceral and mm-hmm. loud. And uh, and for a movie, I mean, we knew about how bad this movie was getting uh, reviewed before we saw it. And so for a movie, knowing knowing that going in, I was really surprised at how well that was filmed and how much that sequence really pulled me in. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, they're not screwing around. Because right. that is really, it really was to me shockingly, you know, it was a really well done, really realistic, bang you around in a car, scary mm-hmm. accident. And so at the point, I was like, well, maybe... 
Maybe they have committed. Maybe it's not so, you know. And right. uh, so it's a good opening. I liked, um, eventually there's a reveal as to what actually caused the accident, which I thought was interesting. What actually became of one of Gene's parents. I like the idea mm-hmm. behind that. I felt it was executed rather poorly. Agreed. In the end. Uh, but yeah, but that opening car crash is, that was pretty... It was, uh, it oh was, yeah, it is. It is well done. Mm-hmm. It is very tragic. Yeah. You are set up emotionally mm-hmm. to be emotionally raw with this movie. Yeah. You know, and and then and then you don't get to you don't get to go on that journey fully. Yeah. But yeah, it, I agree. That scene is startling mm-hmm. and. And very like it. It is very emotional, and it does tug at yeah. your heartstrings. Like absolutely, you're yeah. like ready to emotionally invest. Um, so yeah, I oh. I agree. It's okay. A good scene. Uh, do 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 do. So I would say, mm-hmm. um, Hans Zimmer um. is uh, one of our favorite composers. <laughs> Um, and he, he actually came out, he had retired from composing superhero movies. Right. And came back to do this. I don't know that anyone actually believed him when he said that. Right. But okay. Yeah, I know. I was like, I don't, you either just retire. Right. Or you don't. Like, I don't understand this either. I'm going to retire from this specific genre. Right. But I love, um, I, I love his, his compositions Mm -hmm. he does a great job with the soundtrack to this movie there are a couple of times where it is done really really well and i think at one point in time didn't i even like lean over and be like i know this guy (laughs) you know um and then we see him in the credits and i'm like haha i totally knew i Mm -hmm. knew this the, his the signature, his yeah. style. And so I think he does some really great work. Mm-hmm. It's sad that the movie isn't as good. Yeah. You know? But his his soundtrack, I think, adds to this movie in all the right ways. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. If you're uh, like us uh, and you really like uh, soundtracks and your Amazon Music, your Spotify, your Pandora <laughs> accounts all have a radio station solely dedicated mm-hmm. uh, to movie soundtracks. Uh, you know what I'm talking about with Hans Zimmer. Yeah. And um, so if you go see this movie, really just pay attention to the music. It's so good. Okay. All right. For my last thing. Well, first of all, I want to say we already talked about how it's been reported how this movie got a bunch of it reshot. Right. Um, one of the things that uh, apparently was, I mean, so much so, I found this on IMDb. Their final day of principal photography was the same as the final day of Deadpool 2's. Oh, wow. Deadpool 2 came out over a year ago in theaters. Mm-hmm. And this movie is just coming out now. Um, one of the things they did change was the ending. Reportedly, I read about how the ending got changed. The ending was... Supposed to take place in space. Ooh. And then they changed that for the ending to take place on a train. And I read that and I thought, well, that's not better. 
That doesn't sound better at all. I mean, the X-Men in space, that's what the Dark Phoenix saga is. The X-Men in space, really. Right. But we're going to go on a train. Great. But you know what? Train sequence, pretty great. It was pretty It was really solid. A really solid action sequence. A bunch of the X-Men, Magneto, they're all, they've all been captured by the government. They have like power dampening collars collars on. And the Dabari aliens are coming uh, and to get Gene and the X-Men are begging these soldiers, you know, let us out. You're going to need us. Let us out. You're going to die if we don't come out. You need us. And I really like that kind of like, you know, and one of them does eventually kind of last second let them go. And a bunch of all the mutants all working together. Uh, it's really well done. Uh, the best little part for me was uh, after uh, Magneto gets a, an assist from Storm, he's able to just crumple up one entire train car full of bad people mm-hmm. and, you know, and just kind of toss it away. That was really cool. Uh, but yeah, the uh, that whole sequence is, I mean, that's the best action set piece of the whole movie. And then after the train, there's some stuff that happens after the train that's not great. But the everything that happens on the train in a movie that was supposed to be a train wreck of a movie is actually pretty good. Right. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> but but I find myself pleasantly surprised with that whole, when they get, oh, here's the whole train thing. You know, mm-hmm. the ending that should have been and here we are on the train. You know what? Train stuff, pretty good. Yeah. That train battle was pretty good. And I just like the little details of um, Nightcrawler is, you know, he's got his power dampening collar and he's like chained. And even his tail has a little lock on it. Like it's oh, attached right. to the wall. Like, I mean, funny. it's just kind little of. Tail manacle. Yeah. Tail yeah. manacle. Tail cuff. I mean, yeah. they're, they're clearly prepared specifically for him. Yes. So. Um, okay. So we've finished our top three. Yep. And now it's time for honorable mentions. Yes. So I have some. Do you yep. have any? Dazzler is in this movie. Ah, that was one of mine. Yes. A Marvel character that was created by Marvel specifically to be able to make a movie of her back in the 80s that would come with a soundtrack, an album, because Dazzler is also a musician. Things that never actually happened. Mm -hmm. But now, there she is, Alison Blair, in a movie, singing. So, pretty neat. Yeah. I'm glad to see that. I thought they did a great job with her character Mm -hmm. um, in there. I mean, she's in there for like three minutes. I don't know. If, yeah. But, but, once they, like, again, they commit in these small little ways, you know, like, it's a little, they're out in the forest, you know, teenage revelry. Right. Um, being supervised. Teenage party. Yeah. yeah. Being supervised right. by, <laughs> by the adults. But just that she's out there and she's got her full on Dazzler costume on. Right. With the eye makeup, the star. Full eye makeup. Yeah. And she's got her little sparkles and everything. Uh-huh. I I was so excited when I was like, oh, it's Dazzler. That's mm-hmm. great. She's yeah. putting on a little impromptu concert in the forest. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was. Uh, how about you? Anything else? Um, I oh, so I liked that they hinted at Genosha. Yeah. Magneto, they they've got Magneto off in his village mm-hmm. with some people. Right. Um, if you know 
anything about um, X Men, then you then you're you automatically jump to it. That's got to be Genosha, right? They never call it that, nope. and you don't really get to see anything cool that any of the mutants can do. Mm-hmm. In fact, they all just look like people. Which I suppose could be a deep metaphor for something, but more specifically, I think it was that they were lazy, Um, you know, but for a place that's supposed to be a refuge for and haven for all mutants, all of the mutants look remarkably like farmers. Yeah. And I think that was the part that's disappointing. They were doing some farming there. They were. But here's the thing. Like, Genosha is supposed to be... It is supposed to be like a haven for mutants. Mm-hmm. But I am always amazed that I apparently a haven is code for we reject all modern technology and things like bathrooms <laughs> and TVs and electronics. Uh, a haven means we go back to the simple ways. Right. And we farm all our own food. food. Uh, we don't believe in things like money. Or, I mean, or hot showers. I don't know. Like, right. it's just... We live in wrecked army barracks or exactly. something. Literally, we put we built our houses out of uh, parts we found on the road. Like, yeah. ugh. See, this is funny. This, is, this movie has a couple of these things. A thing that is both an honorable mention and a thing I don't like. <laughs> that part happens when they go see Magneto and they see that he's on this island just for mutants that have been, like, bequeathed to them apparently mm-hmm. you know to have this safe haven for mutants and we're like well it's got to be genosha and then after we see the movie i've seen articles where michael fassbender while talking about the movie refers to it as being genosha why don't you just call it genosha in the movie why can't you use that word i'm sure it was like why they may not have had the full rights to that genosha was <laughs> no <laughs> No, I agree. It just was one of those. But also, Genosha ends up being like a pretty high-tech city, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't need to... I mean, it's clearly what it was... I mean, yeah, Genosha in the comics was different animal. Right. You know. But just once again, that apparently... Because they did this also in Apocalypse, right? He His well. way of surviving uh, at the beginning is to reject society as a whole and live in the woods. You know? Oh, that's right. right? I, I try to so forget that movie. I just, again, why is a haven... Mm-hmm. Like, when did a haven become 17th century Europe? Because it's easier to construct for your movie set? I guess. Probably. I don't know. Next yeah. thing you know, they're going to be like, smallpox is back in the plague. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So that was an honorable mention. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. So Um, uh, I would say my other honorable mention is I liked the direction that they were going uh with the Phoenix, with uh, Jean Grey's powers. Okay. Like kind of this just wanton destruction. Mm -hmm. That they were going in the right direction. Right. And she does some cool stuff. She does. So, yeah. yeah. Just have to say that. Also, one last little thing I think uh, is so in Apocalypse, when Ty Sheridan shows up as young Cyclops, like many things in that movie, I didn't care for it. <laughs> uh, I completely forgot that that's the same actor who was in Ready Player One. Um, mm-hmm. And you know what? 
Um, he's not, he's, I can see him. I, you know, he was better in this, better as young Scott Summers. I find myself finding him a little bit more charming, more agreeable as the character. I liked, I liked him in this. I mean. Okay. I, I have no strong feelings one way or the other. Okay. Um, I will have to say, I fully agree with uh, Alexandra Ship uh, in that they did not give uh, Storm hardly anything to say or do. Yep. Again. Which is stupid and makes me angry. Because Storm is awesome. Well, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see what happens in future movies now that someone else has control of that. Storm is awesome! That yeah, Storm become she leads the X Men for a long time in the comics. Yeah. Well, but they also like screwed up her origin story. Oh yeah. I mean, out, Storm was the queen of her people, and they seem to forget that. Mm. So, whatever. Okay, let's get into the things that maybe we didn't like so much. Hmm. And, okay, we're going to limit it. You can't just wax eloquent. Oh, yeah. I'll keep Remember, it... this movie was not terrible. Right. Um, but Should there were I terrible things in it. Um, <laughs> I just didn't like the just the vagueness when it came to the Jean Grey mm-hmm. and the Phoenix Force and what it was doing to her. Mm-hmm. I mean, was is this supposed to be some sort of, it's like an absolute power that was corrupting her? Right. Um, there was a line in the, one of the trailers that I remember really liking where she talks about how, like, uh, it made her feel good, when you know, she these bad, control. losing control. And I don't think they use it in the movie, Mm-mm. which was that would have that line alone would have helped a lot. Would have made, right. you know, but they didn't go that way. Um, the yeah, so that's one thing. I'll mm-hmm. uh, I'll let you go next. <laughs> well, before my, I get carried away, my big thing really was in that same thing that she is um, that Jean Grey. At the end of Apocalypse, one of the things they do do well, though, is when she come when Jean Grey kind of releases and lets go, and you see her, and you see the phoenix within yeah. her, right? Um, and Oscar Isaac uh, it says something to the effect of, like, oh, I see. In the, yeah, right, you know? in the previous movie, right? And so I was, like, super excited. I was like, okay, this is going to be awesome. Like... The Phoenix Force has has risen to the surface a little bit because it's escaped. Right. We are ready to see the Phoenix Force come forth. Right. Right? And instead, in this movie, she's hit by some sort of cosmic power. Right. That I don't actually even think, do they ever call it the Phoenix Force in the movie? I don't don't, think so. Right? So, so again, when I talk about I needed this movie to commit... This is the, one of those times. Did getting hit by the solar flare release the Phoenix Force within her? Right. Or is that supposed to be the Phoenix Force that she just absorbed? Um, and we're going to ignore, I don't know, the good part of the ending of the last movie. Um, yeah. And so it's just that that kind of lack of attention to detail means... You don't like your source material or you don't care enough about your source mm-hmm. material to find out. Right. Right? Like that to me is one of those fundamental things where you know you're making a movie that has millions of fans. 
right? Mm-hmm. The, like, people love those comics and pay attention to those comics. So you have to be able, you like, you can't just be like, well, we'll just leave that vague and let the audience like live in wonder. They'll like that. No, they won't. No, no, they won't. Right. They want to know because is it going to be like comic book canon? Are you going in a different direction? Either one of those things is probably going to end up okay with some of your fans. Mm-hmm. You just have to decide. And right. by by like not deciding, I think they did a huge disservice. Yeah. So, I so I think for me, that's my biggest that's one of my biggest problems is we don't actually know what even happens to Gene. Right. Which makes it really difficult to care about what's happening to Gene. Mm-hmm. You know? So, like, again, quit being lazy writers slash directors. Know your source material. See, I took it, you laid out, like, was it this or thing or the other thing? I took it as being the second thing that, because that's, those aliens were chasing it. Mm-hmm. Right, that that cosmic force, and that's how. But yeah, but by doing it that way, and they do straight up just ignore the end of the previous movie, which I mean, it's not the first time that's happened, I guess. But it's also, I don't know, right? It's just. But either way, you still have to commit then to what it is that's happening to Gene, because even if you no. pretend this is a standalone movie, and you're just assuming everybody kind of knows the backstory of the X Men, right? You still have to decide, is she the phoenix and the phoenix force is is exerting itself Mm -hmm. in her, or has she been possessed by some sort of cosmic entity? Right. You got to tell me which one it is. You can't just say, we're going to let the audience decide. Yeah, that was, yeah, the, yeah, the, the lack of explanation as to that, to all that stuff. Right. Also, uh, the ham-fisted uh, jamming in of an alien invasion story. Yeah. That what they did with the Dabari thing was Stupid. dumb and poor, just really poorly done. And, and, and I think... they looked very generic, mm-hmm. you know, dark-looking alien right. creatures. There's nothing terribly interesting about them. Also not explained what exactly they could do. Right. They're just really strong. And at the in that train seek one of the problems I had with the train sequence that I said that I liked so much, you could shoot them with a bunch of bullets and they could survive it. They would like heal. But if I guess if you shot them with bigger bullets, that could kill them. But not always. Yeah. Exactly how they die but, seemed to be arbitrary. Right. I just was confused by like what was their purpose on the planet? Like, were they there to control the power? Right. Destroy the power? Um, take over the planet? Um, like, what are they there for? I like, remember there being some take over the planet's talk amongst them. It was kind of like, we're going to... It was like almost like they wanted to do it all. Like mm-hmm. we want to control, take over the phoenix, whatever the phoenix force or the cosmic power, find out where it is, take it over, mm-hmm. then re destroy this planet, remake it into something we can ha- like that we can then right. like live on. Right. Which seems fine, except there's like twenty of you. I feel 
like you got to start with manageable pieces of your plan. Mm -hmm. And even then, then it's like, what is Chastain's character? What is her role? Because first she's trying to manipulate and subvert Jean Grey. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, okay. So basically she wants to like control Jean Grey so that she can then like control how the power gets used. Got it. But then there's a random line by our second in command where they're like, get the others. We're going to destroy it, destroy the power if this doesn't work. And they're like, oh, okay, so that's the backup plan. And then she wants to take the power from Jean. Right. Even though she makes a huge deal of saying you're the first thing like that has ever survived it. Our planet was destroyed by this thing. Right. Um, you've survived it. Sure, I can handle it. Please mm. pass it on. Like... No hesitation whatsoever. So I feel like, again, your aliens are confused. Like, you haven't committed to a single purpose. Is this a planned invasion? Have they been coming to this planet for years? Um, Slowly, in small groups, planning on taking it over? Mm. Um, Is it literally, let's get this force and get off this planet because we want to go home or we want to rebuild our home like i feel like for aliens that have mastered space travel Mm -hmm. they didn't think through their plan very well oh yeah it was just all very shoehorned a shoehorned in plot correct um i'm a bad guy so i need to do it all right um also one thing about the genosha that i had another podcast i listened to pointed out which is i totally agree with so how, how many X-Men mutant characters are there in the Marvel comics? A ton. Right. A lot of them recognizable. So you, so you get Magneto off of Genosha. He brings some of his people with him. Out of all the list of mutant characters you could have pulled that maybe would have been cool, recognizable, right. whatever. What do they bring? Another telepath, girl with tattoos. Mm-hmm. And a guy that uses his hair for whips. Redlock whip hair. Right. Who 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 are they? No idea. Nobody Don't cares. Don't care. Right. I can't believe they couldn't have pulled anybody else. Mm-hmm. You couldn't have spent the time to be like, who would have been a cool, maybe B-list, that a bunch, but still a name that people will recognize, a power set they'll recognize that we right. could use here. Nope. You know what would be cool? If a guy could whip his dreadlocks. Yeah. I don't know. That was just... We're not going to use any of... Like, it's a, Really what they did is all the, they all sat around in the room and were like, okay, everybody, list all of the villains. And they made a huge list on their whiteboard. And they said, great, we're not using any, any of, of those. Any of those, yeah. Dig deeper. Or they said, you know what would be really cool? Let's come up with our own? Yeah. That's what it seemed like they Let's did. Let's come up with our own villains. Yeah. And, and again... That shows a lack of respect for your source material. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's not hard. Why do the Marvel movies work out really well? Because when you listen to the director audio commentary, they've read the comic books. They've talked to like, they've interviewed people. They went back in and they were like, okay, so we learned that, you know, Goose the cat really did these types of things. And we thought this was really fun, but we wanted to do, we took, you know, this route because of it, Mm -hmm. because they, they learned about their source material. And this is one of those times where it's like, 
Well, I saw an X-Men movie, so uh-huh. I can make one. Well, well Simon, Simon Kinberg has been involved with the Fox X-Men movies for quite a while. Um, it's his first movie he's ever directed. Still makes it almost worse. It does. Um, the, ultimately, what I feel the problem is, is this is based on a storyline called the Dark Phoenix Saga. Right. And just like the last time you tried to tell this story, you tried to tell it in one movie. The Dark Phoenix Saga it's just too much. You're mm-hmm. trying to jam too much things into one two-hour movie, and it's just going to come across, you know, right? poorly done, sh- surface level, shoehorned in, whatever you want to call it. And that's what both movies come across as. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to do it right, you make this, you know, you turn it into two movies, and you bring in the Shi'ar Empire. Mm-hmm. And you spent... Because in the comics, the Phoenix Force is ultimately a corrupting power. She has, Jean Grey has that power for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And is off heroing about as the Phoenix, doing just fine. But eventually, like, having it inside her kind of pulls her away from her humanity. Mm-hmm. Until one time she goes off into space on her own to get away from it all. And oops, I blew up a planet and murdered a whole civilization. <laughs> and then she gets put on trial by the Shi'ar Empire. And that's what the Phoenix, the Dark Phoenix saga is. Right. And, you know, and just to kind of have it all, you know, happen over the course of an hour and a half is just doesn't do it, do it justice. I know. I agree. I agree. Um, um, My third thing is really kind of a, it's small in comparison to everything else, but it just bugged me. Mm -hmm. Um, In uh, the previous movies, it is determined that Quicksilver is Magneto's son. It's heavily implied. I don't know that no, no. it's it, it is. Outright. In the last one, it, it is pretty much determined because um, uh, Piotr and Maximoff, right, right, tells, like, at the end, that's how they, like, get to Eric and cause, you know, Magneto not to continue to create his little weird magnet bubble, oh, right? Yeah. Well, see, we're talking about and, a movie I've only ever seen the once oh. and have no interest in seeing revisiting. Well, let me tell you about it. Okay. Uh, but anyway, at the, in that movie, it's established. Like, Quicksilver's like, oh, crap, that's my dad, right? Okay. And so, but they, they bring Magneto back from the brink of wanting to destroy the world by appealing to his humanity... And, like, that he does have friends and family and people worth caring about. Mm-hmm. And Quicksilver almost tells him I'm your son, but doesn't. Right. And then we get to this movie where apparently Quicksilver has zero interest whatsoever in revisiting that life-changing event of his. Um, and that his dad is living over on Genosha uh, taking care of people. And he's totally okay with, you know... Whatever. Like, well, they just never revisit that relationship. Well, they, I mean, they chose, they clearly chose to ignore big parts of that movie. Or, uh, once again, and the source material. Yeah. So, I don't know. It just bothered me. Okay. Well, anyway, I think I'm done with. Uh, with Are you sure? I, mean, I could oh, probably I c- lob a couple more things your way that you've, oh, got, I could, you've got feelings about. Oh, I could, I could go on about other things that weren't great about this movie. Yeah, but I think I'm, I think I'm good. I mean, right. we started off by saying it's not as bad as is being right. made out to be, you know, and then like an hour later, like another thing why, why it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But no, 
and again, those are the things, I feel like the things that I talked about are the things that made me want to like it, but yeah. kept me from it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, the only commitment they made was Mystique's death. They committed there. Right. We're going to kill a character off. Mm-hmm. Um, on a main character. So, I mean, they're they're getting there. But it just... And also, again, pay attention to your source material. Mystique does not lead the X-Men. I mean, she does for a little while. But lead mm-hmm. much later and after Xavier's dead. So, I don't... I mean... Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think because of who they cast, you know, mm-hmm. Jennifer Lawrence became a pretty big star right. after the fact. So she had to be a hero. So let's make her a hero. I I mean, that's kind of my read on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And the thing that makes this movie as watchable as it is, is the cast, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. they all do. Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner. Is, they're all great actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. So they're doing what they can with what they're given. Right. And and some of it is is legitimately good, but but then when it's not good, it's like oh, pff. this is it's either really rough or in some places just kind of boring. Mm-hmm. So, and I I blame the writers, like with the cast that they have. Mm. Um, if they're if if you're not emo, if you're not invested in the movie, that's about the writing. And, and the directing, I think, really. Um, because we've seen all those actors and actresses before in other things where they're good. Um, and so much of this movie that's disappointing for me is because there's so many things that I want to like. Right. But they, but like, it's like they wa- they're, they're leading you down a lane and then they get almost there and they're like... Never mind, I changed my mind. I don't want to go. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, it's like they're still too afraid to be a comic book movie. Right. And you have to just suck it up and recognize you're a comic book movie. Mm-hmm. And you want to, and you know what? And I think maybe here's the thing they're ashamed that they're a comic book movie. But what's wrong with being a comic book movie? Nothing. If you In this know. Day and age, nothing. If you know what you're doing, what you're committing to, and you mm-hmm. you have a like, this is who we are, then it's remarkably freeing, and people will go with you. Yeah, you know, I think that's that's the part that's just pretty disappointing is that, um, yeah, they're making a superhero movie, but they're kind of ashamed, and they're like behind their hand, they're going, we're, we're making a superhero movie, but don't hold it against us. Mm-hmm. instead but again pay attention to how successful other superhero movies have been and why have they been successful because they have accepted that they are superhero movies that's what they know that's what they're making yeah and they're proud of it and it comes out in their work yeah so okay all right there's my little diatribe on committing to your source material people all right. Well, I think then that'll do it for uh, Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, next week, well, I should say, um, now that the Marvel is taken, has the rights to all that stuff, who knows when the next X-Men movie is actually going to be. I know. It'll be interesting to see how they what happens there. Um, 
as far as what we're going to do uh, for our next movie, uh, it's going to be one of two or three things. Um, <laughs> yes. So there's stuff on Netflix we're thinking about. Uh, there's also another big um, studio uh, action science fiction movie that's taking a critical kicking that we might go see. Right. Uh, and uh, the new there's a new Shaft movie that seemingly everybody forgot is out there that we were kind of interested in. <laughs> right. Um, there yeah. is the Rocket Man. Rocket Man, yeah, right? And is. then there is the Black Widow slash uh, Atomic, Atomic Blonde, Blonde wannabe off. movie. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. see that. I yeah, I'm disappointed just because it's so clearly right, like a ripoff. Yeah. So I don't know. Ooh, or we could see the Dead Don't Die. Oh, that's true. With yeah, Adam Driver, Bill Murray, uh, Bill Murray in yeah. it. Yeah, I mean. Might have to, yeah, that's a good option. We might too. check that one out. So, uh, a variety of things. So, it'll be a surprise. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, thanks for listening this week to the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. If you went ventured out and uh, gave Dark Phoenix a try, let us know what you felt and email the podcast with those thoughts. There's our television. And email the podcast at ddkpodcasting at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and most other places where you find podcasts and you can download our episodes and subscribe to us and all that good stuff. And um, uh, normally we do recommendations, but I think we've gone on long enough this episode. <laughs> so I'll think of something uh, to recommend uh, next week. I would just recommend going out and reading the Dark Phoenix saga. Read the Dark Phoenix saga. It's actually really the good. The Trial of Jean Grey, which also leads into it. It's also very good. Yes. All the Chris Claremont, who wrote the X-Men forever and is like kind of the great-grandfather of the franchise. Right. All his stuff, yeah. That's our recommendation. Go yeah. read that because that is actually good. Yeah. Okay. Well, until next week, though. Go see a movie. And uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>